Yeah. So I, I, you know what? They've never asked me to come up here and like rap with them, or not once. And uh, I said, I said, another Scott me to go. I said, I can do that. I, I can do that, but I can't do that. I can't. I am white, uh, you know, all the way to the bone. But um, so uh, they told me actually after the last hour, he says, we'll, we'll, we'll let you do that with us. I said, no, we want people to come back. Anyway, so uh, hey, uh, hey, so all the last couple of weeks, people have been asking me stuff like, so is Easter's coming. Are you excited about that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Are you nervous? I'm like, oh, kind of. No, yes, no. I am and not. I don't get nervous about this. I don't. I get excited about it. But uh, standing in front of people doesn't make me nervous. But what makes me nervous is who I'm standing in front of, especially this weekend, because I know, and I'm not throwing stones or anything, I know that we have a lot of people in here that I do this twice a year, Christmas and Easter. That's all I come, so that's it. And so I get that, and there's, for a lot of you, I, I don't even blame you for not going to church. There's some weird stuff out there, right? So I, 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 I totally get it. And so, but it makes me nervous because I know that um, I got like one shot with some of y'all. To, you're going to make a decision. Should I come back and do this or, or not? And that's kind of important, but all, more important is, some of you are going to listen to what I have to say in the next few minutes in here, and you're going to go, should I take a step towards Jesus or just keep on doing what I was doing? And I feel that pressure. I, I, I do. I probably shouldn't, you know, but, but, but I do. And, and so uh, tonight's going to be a little bit different, you know, me, me, meaning this is that I, I want to talk about Easter. We're going to get there in a few minutes, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do over the next 38 minutes or so, right? And that and it's this is, um, would you just kind of sit back and just go, I'm going to take this in and give it a chance. You don't have to believe this. You don't have to come back ever again or anything like that. But would you just kind of sit back and go, all right, I'm, I'm going to listen with an open mind and try to, try to figure this out. And we're going to talk a little bit about Easter, but um, I actually want to tell a story um, that actually happened a couple of years before the first Easter ever, ever happened. Um, and I, I want to talk about faith tonight. Specifically, I want to talk about why some of us in this room lost it lost our faith. We used to have faith. We used to believe the whole Jesus God thing, all that kind of stuff. And then something happened in our life. And now we're actually sitting in this room, not because we really wanted to come and find out more about the God stuff, but you know, like our mom won't make dinner unless we come or we lost a bed or she won't date me, whatever that is. But we're here. So I'm just going to ask you to kind of sit back. I want to look at why a lot of us have, have lost our faith. All right. So just Kind of try to take this in. I want to look at a story. If you have a Bible with you, and there's free Bibles in the back, take them home with you. Read the whole story if you want. I'm just going to use a little bit of the story tonight. It's also in your program. It's going to be here on the screens. But I want to, I want to look at a place in the Bible. It's a story. It's found in the book of Mark, okay? There are four biographies of Jesus written by four different guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of Mark was written by a guy named Mark. See, you're spiritual. There you go. I knew that one. I got that one right. All right, so, so that's, that, that's good. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2, and, and this is a great story, meaning this is that I, there's four or five. I love, I, I, I love all the stories about Jesus in the Bible. Some of them I love more than others. i just be really honest with you. But there's four or five stories that I like. If I could just teach on those five stories over and over and over, I would. And this would be one of those. Um, meaning this is if you've been here more than five or six times, you probably go, I've heard this before. Well, welcome to Flatter. So, right, so I, I want to look at the story in Mark chapter 2. We're going to talk about something that happened before Easter, but it actually points at Easter. Okay, so Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. It says this, a few days later, and you have to read chapter 1 to find out what that means. But a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, and that's this little podunk town in the middle of nowhere in Israel. So a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So let me kind of set this up. Some of you know more about Jesus than others, but a lot of us know this. On Christmas, Jesus was born, all right? So he was born in Bethlehem, all right? In the manger and all that kind of stuff. But then he moved to Nazareth and then he, he traveled around and Capernaum was like his second home. But between the time that Jesus was born in Bethlehem till he was 30 years old, he worked construction, 
Okay, he was just a regular blue collar guy. Um, he, he built furniture, he, was, um, he, he built houses. He's that guy that when your cabinets broke, you, I started to say you called him, but you know, whatever. So you send somebody out going, hey, Jesus, can you come fix our cabinets? And he would come over to your house. He was just a carpenter, a regular guy. That was the first 30 years of his life, just a regular guy, right? But when he was 30 years old, um, he, he, he got baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist in the Jordan River, all right? And then, then he kind of went on the road. He went on the road and he started teaching people about about God, but he started teaching them stuff that they'd never heard before. Stuff like they, I never even thought about before. Like, like he walked around Israel going, um, I know there's some misinformation floating around out there. Let me clear it up for you. God doesn't hate you. He actually loves you. Right? And, and he, has a, he has a, listen, he's not gonna make you do anything. He's not gonna force you to do anything or like, anything like that. But he actually you know, designed this whole life and he, he can tell you a better way to, to live your life. It's, you have to decide for yourself. But the most important reason that I'm here is that because God loves you, he sent me and I'm gonna pay for all your mistakes. Pay for them yourself or I'll do that for you. And I know you don't know what that means, but and I'll, I'll explain it later. But if you'll just lean your life against me, I'll, I'll connect you back to God. As a matter of fact, did you, the word priest, okay, because we come from a lot of back, backgrounds and stuff like that, all right? A lot of us grew up with a priest, you know, in a, in a church or wherever it is. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against that at all. But what, what a priest is simply translates literally someone who builds a bridge, and think about it, that's what a priest does, you know? It's like if some, a lot of, probably two thirds of us grew up Catholic or something like that. We went to a building and we told a priest and he went in a booth and talked to God for us, right? And he came back and says, here's what God says. And, and so he kind of built a bridge or connected us to Jesus. Well, what, what, what we believe as we study Jesus is that what Jesus said is, I'm kind of like the ultimate priest. Like I'm the one that can connect you back to God like permanently, okay? So he's walking around Israel telling people, I, I get your sins forgiven and I can connect you back to God. And honestly, a lot of people found that very, very fascinating. Thanks, Jesus. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> really, thanks. We'll get back to that. But the thing that really attracted a crowd was when Jesus started doing like miracles, like, like tricks, you know? He's like, that, that's, that's when the crowds all, all showed up. Like sometimes Jesus would walk into a room and there's somebody there, they had a fever or they were blind or, or they had this skin disease called leprosy. Sometimes, and the, the Bible's is full of stories like this, he would like touch them or he'd speak to them and they'd get well. I mean, that, that's, that, that's awesome. And that's what actually drew big crowds, right? So when Jesus shows up in this little podunk town called Capernaum and people find out that Jesus is in town, they're like, come on, let's go. Let's go, I wanna see if we can do some stuff. I mean, and I don't blame him. I would too, wouldn't you? I mean, if I said, hey, I just found out at, at eight o'clock, Jesus is at the Pepsi Center, right? So let's just stop and let's go down there, all right? Because I mean, I, I wanna be there because I, I read in the paper that he was at the Superdome last week and while he was there, he was like healing people and sticking arms back on and bringing dead people back to life and curing baldness. I mean, there's gonna be amazing things. And <laughs> I made that up. He should have done that, but he didn't. But anyway, but anyway uh, here's the thing. My point is this. I, I would, I'd buy a ticket to the Jesus show. I would. I, I would. If there's a chance I'm going to go to Pepsi Center and he's going to stick some guy's head back on, I'm there. Front row. That just sounds fascinating to me. So Jesus comes to town. Big crowd shows up. All right. Pick up in verse 3. All right. Here we go. So some men came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus a paralytic. That's someone who's paralyzed, right? Carried by four of them. And that's, those are good friends. Right? I mean, they're good friends. And I don't know their story. I'm going to make this up. But it's, maybe it went something like this. Maybe these five guys had grown up together. Right? You know, maybe they'd, they'd gone to middle school together, learned to fish together, stuff like that. Gone to synagogue together, whatever that is. All right? They, they, they went to high school together. They went to prom together, if they had that back then. And, and then I don't know what happened. Maybe one of them got drunk and crashed his camel. I don't know. But, but, but he, you know, and he, and he broke his back or his neck or something like that. And he can't walk. I made that up. Don't go with that. All right, but anyway, but, he, but he's paralyzed. And, and you know, that's tragic 
in our culture. But, but it's more tragic back then. There's no support system. There's no social services. There's no therapists. There's no hospitals. There's nothing like that. In this culture, if you're paralyzed, you can't work. If you can't work, you can't eat. If you can't eat, you die. So the, their friends are really concerned about them. I mean, he's really, really worried about their friend. And again, I don't know how, how it went, but I think something like this, one of them finds out like the Jesus show is in town. And so he gets the other three guys, he goes, come on, we're gonna go over to Joe's house. And I made that name up, but I watch a lot of Family Guy. So anyway, so, so they run over. You shouldn't, but it's, it's oh, anyway, so anyway. So they, they say, hey, Joe, listen, this Jesus guy's in town. We, we don't know him. We don't really believe in him, all that stuff. But, but he fixes people, like sticks things on and like, Let, let's go. And so they throw you know, Joe on a stretcher and the four of them like run all the way across town with Joe like, okay, there we go, you know. They get all the way over to town and it's so crowded they can't even get in, all right? Verse four. Since they could not get him, get him to Jesus because of the crowd, this is funny, I just love this story. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And again, I don't mean to take away from this guy's situation, but this cracks me up. This has Monty Python written all over it. Doesn't it? It's like, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. I don't, right, right? So I, again, I, in my mind, this is how it goes. He's like, what are we going to do? I don't know. So I got an idea. And they run around the back of the house. Like, and we got duct tape. Like, yeah. So they, they duct tape Joe to the stretcher, you know, and got any rope. Yeah. So they throw Joe up on the roof, all right? And, and they, they like measure it off. I think Jesus is right here. They kick a hole through the roof, all right? Then they're like, here we go. And down goes Joe. Like, right, right? He comes all the way, the way down. And they're like, watch out. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Watch out. Joe's coming down. Hey, Jesus. We'll explain, all right? And Joe's like, hey, Jesus, right? And he, he's, got, he's coming down. And he got to think at that point, the sermon's over, all right? And Jesus got ceiling tile in his hair, you know, and he's like, and, and the crowd's getting excited. They're like, yeah, this is why we came. Thanks for the God stuff. But this is the show, right? We want to see this st good stuff happen, all right? So they, they're coming down there. And, and like these guys are looking through the, through the ceiling like, that's our friend Joe. Fix him, Right? Right, right, so, so they do this and he's coming down and, and this, this, this is just a great story. So look at verse five. So when Jesus saw their faith, these four guys up there, all right, he said to the paralytic, sons, son, your sins are forgiven. Really? Really, right, right. And again, I wasn't there, but if air leaving a room makes a noise, <laughs> I think it was like that balloon, right? Because I think everybody's going like, what? Like people in the back of the room are like, what did he say? He said his sins are forgiven. What does that mean? I don't know. It's really weird, right? And they're like looking at it going, what, what in the world is, 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 is going on? And you got to think the four guys on the, on the roof are looking at it going, oh, oh, no. No, thanks for that. We'll file that away for later. But we need his legs. Make them work. All right, that's why we came. We need to, here it is, right? We need to fix his bigger problem. We'll get to the heaven hell thing later, but he can't walk. Can, can, can you pay attention to, to, to that? And, and here's the thing. You, you, it's easy to get critical of these guys, but they're no different than me or you, right? I mean, think about the things and the, the conversation. If you've ever had a conversation with God, what are the most passionate times that you've had conversations with God? Because I got to be honest with you, I have not lost a lot of sleep. I mean, there have been moments in my life, but I haven't lost a lot of sleep. And I haven't driven down the road wrestling with, I wonder if I'm a sinner or not. I, just, I mean, there have been times when I screwed up going, ah, I'm probably going to hell for that one, you know? And, but, but, but most of the time, most of the time, like 99.99999% of my conversations with God, I need him to do some stuff for me, right? And I'm not talking about spiritual stuff. I think physical stuff, financial stuff. 
Um, relational stuff like, I really screwed up and I know I shouldn't have done it, but could you cover me on this one, right? That's, that's what I need. I pray prayers like this. My most passionate conversations with God always go like this. Something like, hey, hey God, uh, here's an example. My, my dad has cancer. Can you fix that? I pray really fervently on that. Or, hey, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this or afford for this. And I know I shouldn't run out my credit card, but hey, I need some more money. Can you send something in the mail? Or, or hey, I know I shouldn't have done that, but can you make me invisible to that cop I just passed? Please, in Jesus' name, Right? <laughs> All right, they made me invisible to my parents or, or, or whatever th- that is. That, that's it. In Jesus' name, a- amen. But very rarely, and then there's times when I have, so it's not always, but very rarely have I really wrestled over, I wonder if I'm going to heaven or hell. There have been moments, but, but, but again, going back to these guys, I, I, I just bet, and I may be wrong in this, I don't think that they carried their paralyzed friend all the way across town, kicked a hole in the roof, vandalized this guy's house, and lowered him down because they were worried about the condition of his heart. They were worried about his legs. That's, that's why, they, that's why they, they, they did all that. And so, I, again, I, can't, I wasn't there, but I think the biggest emotion in the room when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, was disappointment. Right? I mean, I needed Jesus to do something for me, and he comes back with some churchy line about my sins. Thanks, Lord, but that doesn't help me. Don't you feel like that sometimes? I need God to do this and do this and do this, and, and then I get this other thing happens or whatever, and it's like, it doesn't really help me on Tuesday. I mean, it's going to be very helpful after my funeral, but I don't plan on dying for a while. So I need, I need God to do some stuff now. And I think the number one disapp- or emotion in that room at that point was, was, was disappointment. I got bigger stuff I got to worry about, God. But there's another group of people in the room and they're feeling an emotion different than that. They actually get mad, right? Look at verse six. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there and and teachers of the law are these religious like experts that they were just waiting for Jesus to say something or do something wrong and they were gonna nail him going, look, he's a fake. Don't follow him. He's total fake, right? So some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, remember that, right? Why does this fellow talk like that? Why does Jesus talk like that? He's blaspheming. That's a sin, right? Who, here's the question, who can forgive sins but, but God alone? So they're thinking that to themselves. Now, if you've never taken notes in church, I'm going to write this down. This is two, two important things. The first thing is, if Jesus is ever around, don't think to yourself. <laughs> he can hear you. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Like, la, 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 right, right, right? It's like, yeah, right. So that's the first thing. Just file, file that away is that Jesus can hear what's going on in your head. But the other thing is, um, he's so smart. He, he's so smart because this is all a setup. Jesus is setting up the whole crowds. See, Jesus knows exactly what's going on. He knows why all those people came to hear him teach that day. It wasn't because they wanted to hear more about God. They wanted to see him do tricks. He knew what the guys on the roof were expecting. Please help our friend. He knew what the guy at jail laying on the floor. He knew what, what all they, they wanted to happen. He knew all of that. But before he does that, spoiler alert, he does heal the guy in a minute, but he's gonna use this little opportunity in this little room in the middle of nowhere to teach this huge truth that people are gonna be talking about, I don't know, 2,000 years and counting, right? See, if Jesus had just said, oh, okay, and it just jumped right to, I'm gonna fix your legs, some of the people there would have would have looked at it and went, well, that's a cool trick, you know? Someone would have written it off going, it's a gimmick, it's something like that. Someone would go, that's weird, like that David Blaine guy on TV, he freaks me out. He does that, like, oh, yeah, that's weird, all right? So, so, so before he does anything, all right, he, uh, he says, your sins are forgiven. And, and he said, well, why, why did he say that? You know? And the immediate response from the religious people, because they think they have God all figured out, is, whoa, whoa, time out, you're not allowed to say that. 
You can't say to anybody, your sins are forgiven. Because here's the truth. The only person that's allowed to say your sins are forgiven is God himself. Who does this Jesus guy think he is? Here's the question. God? Right? Now look at this, verse 8. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? To freak me out. I'd be like, I, it was him. I wasn't. I was thinking, I like you. I like you. I think you're awesome. Right? I mean, that's what, I'm like, don't, don't, don't kill me. All right, so then, so then he asked them a question. It's a loaded question. I love this. Verse 9. Which is easier? All right, and you, and you try to figure this out. Which is easier? To say to the, the, the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say to the paralytic, get up, take up your mat and walk. Which one's easier to say? And let me, I'll just answer it for you. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that. How do you know if, it's, if it worked? I mean, if you come up in the lobby after a while and go, hey, hey, uh, hey, Jim, let me tell you, I did this. And I really screwed up my life. And, and I looked at you and went, don't worry about it. Your sins are forgiven. Well, who are you? Who cares? Pastor Jim forgave me. I said, big deal, all right? And how do you know if it worked or not? How do you know if, it, if it's even true? So it's easy to say, oh, your sins are forgiven. That's, that's easy. But if someone says, I know you've been crippled all your life, but get up and go walk on home, all right? That's harder or at least riskier to say because it's measurable. You know if it happened or not, all right? If you, right, if you were crippled all of your life and then somebody walked up and you went, stop being crippled, get up, pick up your bed and walk home and then you did it. If I'm in the room, I'd be sitting there going, he's real. He's real, don't mess with him. He's real, all right? He's actually the real deal. He, he actually can do that stuff, all right? He's, he's qualified. So, and here's the whole point of what Jesus was doing, the, the setup, Maybe we should pay attention to the rest of what he's saying. If he can do that, like he said he could do, maybe we should pay attention to the other stuff about him. So here's what Jesus says, verse 10, all right? But that, this is important, you might want to underline this. But that you may know that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, so that you may know that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. You're asking me this question? You want proof that I can forgive sins? I'm about to do something physical with this guy but that's not my point. My point is, if I can do this, will you believe me then that I'm qualified to do the other? So that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive your sins and Joe's sins and everybody's sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Look at this. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. And again, if I was there, me too. This is awesome, all right? Especially if you're Joe. He's like, yeah, you know? I would run out in the front yard. If I was the four friends on the roof, I would have jumped off the roof and run around, high five. Let's go grab a bottle of water or whatever, you know? I don't know who's here today. All right, so anyway, you know, so I, I would have done that. If I, I, I was in that room, I would have, there would have been this, you know, conga line out in the front yard. Look, Joe's okay. I would have done it all the way home, all right? I, I, and I don't want to take anything away from that. This is an awesome thing. This is just great. And it, it's, 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 all, it's wonderful. But there's part of me that thinks, and again, I wasn't there, that as Jesus is now standing all by himself in a room with a hole in the roof because everybody ran outside, there's part of me thinking Jesus is sitting there and he's thinking, ah, oh, you missed it. You, you missed the more important thing. Because even though I just fixed this guy's temporary problem, his legs, and it's important, here's the truth, it's just a matter of time until he has another problem. Right? Not your story? But, but I promise him that his sins are forgiven. And to deliver on that promise, I'm going to have to be beaten and then whipped and then executed by being nailed to a cross 
to pay for Joe's sins and everybody else's sins. That's how you know your sins are forgiven. I, and if, if you'll trust me, I'll do that for you. And it's not like, but what about the next time I sin? No, it's permanent. You'll never have to worry about being separated or disconnected from God. Again, I'll do that once for all. And even though I just healed this guy's legs and I'm not taking anything away from that, it's a matter of time until Joe or you or whoever has another accident. Gets sick, right? Loses his job. Wife runs out on him. He just gets old and he wears out. But, and then his and everybody in that room and everybody in this room, right? Their relationship with God, their, their, their faith will be one long string of, I had a problem, I went to Jesus, he, he fixed it, I have faith, right? If he does, I have faith. If he doesn't, I don't have faith. Isn't that where some of us are right now? See, faith is just this big religious word, Bible word for, this is how I see it. This is how I see God, this is how I see life, this is how I see the world, this is how I think it all kind of works together. Faith is my operating system that I lean my life against. And, the, and, and faith sentences and faith statements always start the same way. It starts like this, well, I think... And that's faith. Or I believe, or this is the way I see it, I, I, I just figured that, and that's, that's faith. And that's not bad. Like, like, you have faith in all kinds of stuff. There's some of you in this room that have faith that if you eat right and exercise and don't let that get in your body and always do that and do a lot of that and never do stuff like that, you'll be healthy and you'll live a long time. You're leaning your life against that. That's why you eat what you eat, all right? So, because you believe that that will pay off for you. Nothing wrong with that. Some of, some, of, some of us buy into the karma thing. If I do good things, good things will come back to me. If I do bad things, bad things will, will come back to me. I believe or I think, I have faith that if I do A, B, and C, then, then D will happen. And my faith is kind of like a formula or a combination, you know, to get, to get stuff or at least increase the odds of stuff going my direction. And again, that's not a bad thing necessarily. The problem comes though is when we do that with God. With the hopes that, you know, uh, or the faith that if I do A, B, and C and do enough of it in the right order and do it enough times, then I can get God to do D. Even though God didn't want to do it, I A, B, C'd him, and now he has to. I faithed him, you know, and God's in heaven going, oh, you did it. All right, here, you know. That's, that's how we see God, all right? So we fin, and this is religion. We figure out, trying to figure out our whole lives, what's the combination of the right amount of A, B, and C so we can get God to do D, right? In that religion, I was like, so... If I need God to do this for me, what's the formula? And so we, we land on, like, I read, read my Bible and go to church and give $10 to orphans or puppies or whatever and pray three times. And then you did that and then God did what you wanted him to do. And so now you're sitting there going, that's it. So for the rest, you know, for the next season of your life, you, you know, you're like, okay, I need God to do something for me. And so what is it again? Oh yeah, Bible, church, money, prayer. And you do that for a while, but then you do that because you think that's what faith is, but eventually you do it and God doesn't do what you want him to do. Have you been there? Or, or, or something happens and, and you don't understand it, all right? And, and it just rocks your world, all right? I needed God to do that and he didn't do that. And, he, and if you're like me, you land in one of two places. You either land in, there must be something wrong with me and I'm not doing it right. I need to change it. I need to do this and do this and go to more of this and do this and give more money over there or whatever. Then maybe God will swing my direction. So there's either something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God and either can't help me or won't help me. He's not fixing my problem. And our faith takes a big hit. And again, honestly, isn't that a lot of our stories? We're, we're in the past, we've really struggled. Even maybe tonight, you're sitting there going, I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Why not? I needed God to help me and fix her and bring that around. And I needed God to do that for me. And he didn't do what I needed him to do or wanted him to do. And I was left standing all, it felt like all by myself in my painful mess. 
And finally, I'm just looking around going, I don't know what I believe about God or if I believe in God. And if there is a God, I don't think I can trust him. Anybody else? Because I wrestle with this even, even now in my life when I have really, really, really bad seasons of my life. And I, lo- I love the Bible stories. I, I, re- I love this one that we just read tonight. And I've heard all the present day stories. If you listen to Christian radio or TV, don't. But anyway, but, uh, that's just me. All right, don't write me a letter. I don't care. But I, I mean, I love all those stories. And I wish some of those stories were mine. You've heard them, right? You, you, I, they, the caller calls in. Well, I needed a job and I prayed on Monday. I got one on Tuesday. Praise the Lord. I, I wish that happened all the time, you know? I was single. I didn't want to be single. So I asked God, will you send someone to me? And a week later, a supermodel knocked on my door and proposed. I'm like, yeah, way to go, dude. That's, that's faith. I needed money. I prayed and I won the lottery. And, and if I get to choose, I vote that. Don't you wish that was how it worked? If you go to church three times, you'll get a raise. <laughs> this place be packed, right? I mean, if you, if, you, if you do this and pray and give money to, you know, those kids in Africa, nobody in your family will ever get cancer. Wouldn't that be awesome? if you just could figure on that. And again, if I get to choose, yay, I'm with that. I remember uh, last year, I, I remember telling this story uh, that I saw on Shark Week, the best week of TV in the universe. But anyway, so I'm, I'm watching Shark Week and this, 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 it was like Shark Bite Week or something like that. But anyway, so they, 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 they interviewed this lady in the hospital whose son was bitten by a shark. So they stick a camera in her face and go, well, what do you think is gonna happen? And, and, and here's, what, here's what she says. She says, yeah, my son got, got bitten by a shark and everybody said, told us he's gonna die, but I had faith. I had faith and I called my mom who's a Christian and I got my whole church, they all came over to the emergency room and we started praying and I got my whole state praying. We called the Pope and he started praying and we, we just believed with all our, that God was gonna heal our son and he did because we had faith. And because, and uh, listen, I, if that's you, I, I, I'm not throwing stones at you. I will be honest with you. If my son Jordan ever gets bitten by a shark, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna Facebook everybody. <laughs> I got a lot of Facebook friends. I got, I'm gonna Facebook everybody. Will you please pray for my son because he's like, you know, Shark. All right, so I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to come up here and go, hey, my son is really in a bad book. Will you guys pray for him? And I'm going to email everybody that I know. I want everybody to pray. But here's my question. If that lady's son had died, does that mean she didn't have faith? Or enough faith? Because that's where a lot of us land. Or here's a, here's a better question. Here's, here's, my, here's my big question, all right? If she had so much faith and God's really good, why didn't he keep the shark away in the first place? That's a better plan, Right? If you love Jesus, sharks won't bite your kids. I vote yes, all right? I'm, I'm, all, I'm all of it. That just makes better sense. And my point is, or really, Jesus' point is, standing there all by himself now in a room with a hole in the ceiling is this. Hey, folks, listen. If your life plan is to lean your faith against, I asked Jesus to fix my problem, and he did, and so I believe, I have faith, Jesus would say, your faith isn't gonna last very long. Right? In other words, if your faith is leaning against, as long as I do this and God does this and does what I want him to do and the formula works, as long as everything in my life makes sense, then I'll have faith and I'll believe in God and trust him. If that's your plan, Jesus would say, your faith is really fragile and very confusing and it's a matter of time until your faith is going to fall apart. That's hard truth, but it's just, it's just true. Because even if he fixes your problem today, it is a matter of time until something else is going to happen in your life. And you're not going to like it. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to be able to change it or explain it no matter how much you pray. And eventually your faith is going to fall apart. You're going to walk out in your front yard and you're going to look at the sky going, what's your deal? Right? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know what or if I believe anymore. Which is why, folks, we have got to find something better to lean our lives against. Right? 
We gotta find something in our lives so we can lean our life and our faith and, and, and the things that, something that won't move, something that won't change, something that won't fail, something that won't divorce us or walk out on us or break his promises. We gotta find something that we can say, I can depend on that, which is why today is so important. This whole weekend is so important because Easter changes everything. It's a, it's a whole new deal. It's a game changer, right? It changes everything. Easter is the most important belief that there is to believe in in all of Christianity. You, you can believe everything else about Jesus and about Christianity, but if Easter didn't happen, this is a moot point. It, it just doesn't, it falls apart. See, without, without Easter, everything that Jesus said or taught just doesn't matter. He's just one more you know, person out there spouting off empty promises and philosophies that may or may not help your life. It's the most important thing. You say, well, what about Christmas? That's a big deal. You're right, it is. And I'm not taking away from Christmas. I love Christmas, all right? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But here's the thing, all right? You were born, not, not in a manger by a virgin, but you, you, right? But you were born. I mean, I was born. And so if you take some of that out and go, I was born, I could do that, all right? And, and what Jesus taught was good. Let's be honest, though. Some of the stuff that came out of Jesus' mouth is just kind of weird, that forgive your enemy part. I hate that one, right, right? Or, you know, some of it's just, it's very inconvenient. Some of the stuff he said, it's very intrusive. I think you just mind your own business there, right, right? He says, I don't like some of his teaching. And, and you gotta listen to this whole part. If you leave in the middle of this, you're gonna just think I'm going to hell. Which again, some, you're already, but anyway, but Jesus, and I believe this, Jesus died on a cross to pay for my sins and your sins. And I'm not taking anything away from that. His death, all right? His death accomplished something that my death for you could never accomplish, all right? But again, if you just leave out certain parts of that, all through history, there have been people who've died for great causes, for their belief systems, that their death caused good things to actually happen. But, but Christianity, and I even almost hesitate to say the word Christianity because it has such a bad rap out there. So let me just say this. Our faith is not based on the birth of Jesus. I believe it. But my life is not, my, my faith is not propped up by, the, by, the, by, by Christmas. And my, my faith is not based on the teachings of Jesus. Although I believe all of them and I believe it's a better way to live our life. And please listen to all this carefully, all right? My faith is not even based entirely on Jesus died on a cross for my sin. Don't walk out yet, all right? Listen. Our, my faith is based upon an event that happened it actually happened in history, and here it is. Jesus not only died on a cross for my sins, but then, get this, three days later, he rose from the dead. He came back to life, just like he promised he would. So, and here's his phrase, that you would know that I have the authority, that, I have, that you have proof to validate that I am who I said I was, and I'm able to, to do what I promised I was able to do. Lean your life against that. See, there's only one person in the history of people who backed up every promise and teaching by saying this. I know what I'm saying is kind of out there, and even if you can't believe it tonight, hang on to it. Because you'll know I've been telling you the truth. And you'll know that you can trust what I've been telling you and teaching you. And you'll know that I really am the son of God, God in the flesh. You'll know that. Not tonight, but just wait. You'll know that I can, I'll, I'll prove to you that I can keep every promise I've ever made to you. And here's how you'll know. Don't miss this. Pay attention. A Friday, day, a Friday night is coming. A Friday night is coming, and this is what's going to happen. They're going to execute me on a cross. They're going to drive nails into my body, and I'm going to die. They're going to stick me in a hole, and they're, and, and they're going to count me out as, see, he's a fake. But three days later, I'm going to come back to life as the ultimate proof that I am God in the flesh, and I really do love you, and you can trust me and what I taught you, and, and you can believe that I'm going to keep every promise I ever made to you, so pay attention. I will rise from the dead. And again, anybody can make promises like that, but here's the thing. He did it. 
He, he did it, you know, and, and for the next several weeks, appeared in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, and nobody else has done that. Just Jesus. Just, just Jesus. I'm not saying the other guys are bad, but nobody's been able to do what Jesus has done. You know, not Muhammad, not, not Buddha, not, not Confucius, no, not Gandhi. I think he's a really great guy. Not, not even Oprah, all right? They, they just haven't. I mean, up to a point, they all have some things in common, you know, just like Jesus. They all had birthdays. Some people celebrate them, right? They all taught very interesting, really kind of some cool things. And they, they all died. Not, not Oprah, but I, I saw her the other day. She's not looking good. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> It's a matter of time. But anyway, forget that. But anyway, so here's the thing, all right? So that was kind of funny. But anyway, all right, so here's the thing. No one else died for your sins. And even if they said they did, how do you know it worked? No one else died for their sins and then rose from the dead like they said they would. Just Jesus. And that, that, that the resurrection changes everything. As a matter of fact, why do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross did anything for you if you can still dig up his body in Israel. But he backed it up, which is why Easter is, is, is the reason that this can be our definition of faith. Look at this on the screen behind me. Because of Easter, faith can be or is confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he's promised to do. And the only reason you should believe that is because of Easter, right? Faith is confidence. It's not wishful thinking or I hope or keep your fingers crossed. No, it's confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he's promised to do. Sometimes I need to say that out loud to move it from one side of my brain to the other. So let's say it out loud together. Here we go. One, two, three. Faith is confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he's promised to do. That's faith. All right? Now, so this is the hard part of the talk. Some of you are going, this has been horrible so far. Just wait. It gets so much worse. All right? And here's what I mean. All right? And this is not going to be really satisfying to a lot of us, but Jesus never promised. I, I wish he had. I wish I could find that verse going, ah, I found it, all right? Jesus never promised that if you had faith or enough faith, everything could go your way. It's not in the Bible. Jesus never promised that if you have faith, everything in your life will make sense. And the more faith you have, the easier your life will be. I've heard that guy on TV. God wants everybody to be millionaires, blah, blah, blah. It's not in the Bible, it's just, it's just it's not true, all right? And Jesus never promised. Again, I wish he had, but he didn't. He never promised that if you had faith, he'll heal your friend. And if your dad gets sick, he'll keep the cancer away. And he'll make cars stay on the right side of the road. And your kids will always make it home safe. And your husband and your wife and your kids will always keep their promise and they'll always love you. But he doesn't make us that promise. What Jesus says is this. If you or I ever try to lean or prop our faith or our life against anything other than Jesus died for me and then three days later he rose from the dead just like he said he would, if you try to lean your life against anything else, it's a matter of time until your faith is going to fall apart. Again, that's not real emotionally satisfying. It's just true. So go with me on a theoretical basis. If that's true, or if the whole Easter thing is true, okay? So let's say I buy it. What does Jesus promise me? What, what can I, so, so, so my dad might get cancer and die, okay, so there's no promise about that, and then my kids may get this, and this may happen over there, but, but what can I believe in? What can I lean my life against when, when my life gets really, really hard or really, really bad? What never changes? What can I count on every morning when I get up? Just a, just a couple things. Here, here's one of them. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says this, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us, for you and me, in this. So here is proof that God loves you. While we were, what's the word? Still sinners, screw-ups. <laughs> While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for me and you. Not after you came to church and stopped doing that and stopped doing, you know, well, you know, all that over there, and you cut back on that and made God promises and prayed prayers and came to buildings like this. No, no, no. Before you even said his name, Jesus did, because God wanted to make sure that everything was in place because he loves you, Jesus died for you so that you could be forgiven. So the first thing you can wake up every morning and count on is this. No matter what happens in your life, your fault or somebody else's fault, God still loves you. And just like Jesus promised that guy that got lowered through the roof, Jesus will forgive your sins no matter what you've done if you'll trust him. And because of that, because he died for your sins, here's the other promise you can count on every day. Hebrews chapter four says this, let us then, what do you mean then? Well, if you read the first parts of that, it's like, so Jesus died for your sins because God loves you. So that's, that's gone, all right? Nothing separates you from God anymore. So let us then, if that's true, approach the throne of grace, the throne of God with, what's the word? Confidence. No, you don't have to walk up to God going, okay, God, I know you probably hate to see me, but because you saw what I did Tuesday three times. All right, so you know, all right? So, you know, no, no, you don't have to go up going, I'm so bad and I'm so evil and you should hate me. No, no, no. We can walk up to God with confidence. And here's why we'd ever want to walk up to God. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, so here it is. Here's what you can lean your entire life against every day. Because God loves you so much, Jesus died to pay for your sins. So no matter what you've done or how many times you've done it, if you lean your life against Jesus, he'll forgive everything. That's the first one. And because Jesus rose from the dead, so he died for your sins, but because he rose from the dead and is right now alive, here's the other thing you can believe in. You can have faith in. You can lean your life against every day. There will be times in your life when things are gonna get hard. You can count on that. And sometimes you'll pray to God and you'll ask him to change it. And sometimes he'll say yes and sometimes he'll say no. And I don't have that figured out yet. But every time, you can go to God and say, I need help and mercy and strength because I'm not gonna make it. And he will say, I'm there. You can lean your life against that. How do you, how, why do you say that? Because Jesus promised it. Well, well, how do you know he'll keep his promise? Because he backed it up. So you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, well, I wonder if God is gonna take care of me this time or I wonder if God's gonna show up now because of what I did over there. And, and what about, what if that happens or what if that happens? No, 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 no. You can know every time with confidence in every place, in every situation, you can go to God and he will keep his promise to give you exactly what you need. What do I need most days? I, I just need a lot of grace. I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of mercy. I need a lot of strength to hold me together because this world throws a lot at me. Anybody else? I, I, I just won't make it without him. And the reason I can know that that is true is not because of religious talk, but because he made a promise and then backed up that promise, just not, not just by dying for me, but rising again from the grave. And that changes everything. It's ultimate proof. And I know, okay, because I just know, that's not what some of you came here looking for tonight. I know some of you, you've been shopping around until you finally find a place where somebody stands on a stage like this and says, I found the formula. Or I found this loophole in the Bible that says this, if you'll do this and do it the right way and do it enough times, God will always do what you want him to do or need him to do. There are a lot of churches out there and a lot of religions out there promising that. It doesn't work. It's not true and it's not in the Bible. It's just not. And it doesn't deliver. Because that's not how it works. And you're sitting here going, you know what? But that, I want it to be true. And that's not what I wanted to hear tonight. Okay, then do this for me, all right? For yourself. Will you just file this away? Will you just take this truth that you can't really, I don't know if I believe that or not. Just put it in, take it home, put it in a drawer in a closet or something like that. And, and just kind of push it to the back, right? right? And, and here's why I want you to do that. Don't just dismiss it. Just kind of put it over there. Because, and I hope I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. A day is coming. A day is coming when something in your life is gonna break. 
when something or someone in your life is gonna fail you and break their promise, walk out. That day is coming when the proverbial shark is gonna bite your kid and it's not gonna make sense. And it's not gonna change. And in spite of all the combinations, I, I A, B'd and C'd and then I C, B'd and A, all right, it's just not gonna get any better. And you're gonna wonder, is there something wrong with me? Am I being punished? Did I do something wrong? Or is there something wrong with God? And that's what some of us are wrestling with right now, right? And the answer is none of the above. None of the above. You know what your problem is? You're like me. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. You made the mistake like I make, made in the past of leaning my faith against my circumstances or my health or my current happiness or what's happening to you or other people in my life and how other people are treating me or whether or not I like what's happening today or whether I understand what's going on in my life. But I'm just telling you, in your deepest time of need, none of that will hold you together and your faith will fall apart. So when that happens, and I hope it doesn't, but if it happens, just pull this out of that closet or that drawer where you stuck this because you don't want to hear it tonight. So your faith, our faith has got to lean against something better than it currently is leaning against. And Jesus said this, you, you, you have to lean your, your faith, your life. You have to get up every morning and depend on this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus demonstrated to you how much he was on your side. Not only did he die for you, I mean, it feels like that would be enough, but then he rose again. And because of that, tonight he's alive. Because he's alive, you can know in spite of everything that's gonna happen in your life, good or bad, no matter how deep or dark the hole you find yourself in, whether you jumped in it or got pushed in it, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, no matter what you're gonna go through in your life, no matter what you're gonna suffer in your life, no matter what or who you're gonna lose in your life, no matter what you have to face in your life, you can know with confidence that because of Jesus, you can go to God in that moment and God will keep his promise to take care of you. And if you can't believe that tonight, hold on it for later. Because when you find yourself in a place where you turn back towards God and go, will you help me? He'll be there. He will. Because he promised and then backed it up. Now, I'm done. All right? I say that all the time. I'm not, but I have more. But uh, I, uh, thank you. Thank you for showing up here. Thank you for giving me this last 36 minutes. You know, I, and I, I really do hope you come back over the next couple of weeks. Scott and I are going to look at several different, like, this changes everything moments. As a matter of fact, I want to throw something out to you to consider. Would, would you, and this is going to be really weird, especially if you didn't plan on doing this at all, would you consider stringing three weeks together in, in a row? Now, this is my third Easter. No, good for you. Thank you. All right. But I mean, like, like three weeks in a row. And as Scott and I go through some of this stuff, you know, these life-changing moments, will you just see if some of this God-Jesus faith stuff starts coming into focus? Again, go at your own pace. We're not going to shove anything down your, your throat. And you know what? If it's, at the end of three weeks, you go, this is just stupid. Then don't come back. There you go. All right. But, but just see if, if this changes anything in you. So just that's, you, you work through that, all right? But, but let me ask you this, and then I'm done. What, what is it, I said it again, what, what is it that right now, you don't have to pray about this, think about this, you know, because you've been thinking about it for the last 45 minutes in here, right? What is it that right now, if there is a God, you desperately need him to do something? What is it for you? Okay? Now, and it, and it could be on a spiritual level, Right? I mean, you, you, you could be, it could be a forgiveness thing. I mean, have you made a mistake in your life against God or against somebody else? Have you screwed up your family or what? have you broken that relationship over there? And you have made the assumption that because she won't forgive you and they won't forgive you, I am positive that God won't forgive me either. I have committed the unforgivable sin because look around, nobody's forgiving me and you've projected that out onto God. Is it possible that tonight Jesus is looking at you going, and I'm just being really blunt, you're just wrong on that one. God already demonstrated how much he loves you through me. So because of me dying on a cross and come back to life, um, you can know 
He'll forgive anything you ask him to forgive based on what I did for you. How, how can I know that? Because he promised. And how do I know he'll keep his promise? Because he backed it up. So what if over the next few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna take communion, I'll explain that in a minute, but what if you just, in faith, ask him to forgive you? All right, and maybe it's not a God thing going on in your life. Maybe, maybe we're actually, you're just facing something that you're sitting here over the last, again, 45 minutes, you've been thinking, my life is so hard and what's gonna happen on Tuesday and what's happening with my kids and what's happening with my body, what's happening with my addiction, whatever that is, I can't do it anymore. I don't have the strength. I am done. I am finished. I, I, I can't do this anymore. And you know what? You're probably right if you have to keep on doing this by yourself. But according to what Jesus promised, you don't have to do this by yourself. As a matter of fact, according to Jesus, you could actually ask God, your father, right now, would you jump into my mess and will you help me? Because this is gonna crush me if something doesn't happen. Either change my circumstances or, or hold me together. And you know what he promises? Yeah, I will. And how do I know he'll keep his promise? Because he backed it up. As a matter of fact, because he came back to life, he is right now, the, the Bible says this, read the rest of that Hebrews chapter, he is right now at the throne of God waiting for you to ask him. So what if in the next few minutes you just ask him? for forgiveness and some help and just see where it goes. Now we're gonna do this thing called communion because Jesus, again, go back to the, your notes, is smart, all right? So he knows that, he knows how we're wired up, all right? He knows that we're gonna always drift back towards, I bet God hates me because I screwed up Tuesday and then I did that and I broke my promise over there and if Jesus is anything like anybody else, I'm sure they all hate me up there, right, right? We're gonna, we're gonna assume that. So, so Jesus had this great idea. He handed out bread and grape juice or wine, whatever, all right? He said, everybody take a bite. This won't make sense, but it'll make sense later. But it's for our benefit. It's to remind us. So we're going to pass out little pieces of bread and little pieces of little grape juice. And you know, if you're new or you come from a different religion, you go, am I allowed? You are allowed here. Is if, if you really want to lean your life against Jesus, then take communion with us. If you think it's weird and you're not ready to do that, then let it go on by. But it's, it's just a proof of his promise. It's a reminder of his promise to you that I'll forgive everything and you don't have to live one more minute of your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't even call it a promise. He calls it a covenant and a covenant is always sealed with blood. So he promised you, then he shed his blood, and then he came back to life for you. So over the next few minutes, ask him. See where it goes, all right? I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing a couple of songs. We're gonna take communion. Stand up when you want. Don't stand up at all. You know, head to the parking lot, whatever you wanna do. Come back a couple more weeks to see if it all starts making sense. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll worship together, okay? God, I love you so much. And I mean, what's not the love? You're God. <laughs> I mean, you're Jesus. You do amazing things, and, and you just keep on coming after us and going, I love you, I love you. That, that, that doesn't change it, what it, you did. But what I can't get my arms around is why you love us. Because if I were you, I wouldn't love me. I just wouldn't, because I know me pretty well. But yet you keep on coming after us and saying, I love you and I'll prove it to you. I'll die for you and I'll forgive you, but then I'll come back to life and I'll live in you. There's some of us right now that we drug ourselves in here for a thousand different reasons, but right now in the next few minutes, is maybe we eat a little piece of bread and a little, little cup of Welch's grape juice, we'll be reminded that maybe, maybe I really am forgiven if I ask him, and maybe he really will help me through what I have to go through tomorrow. Maybe I can have faith. Maybe I can lean my life against that. So we're gonna pray that right now. That's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.